It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Well, we got a phone number. It's 248-539-9797. We always encourage you to give us a call. Uh, it's the middle of winter. It's colder than uh, you possibly imagine. The caravan's coming this week. It always is like this on this week. And uh, it's great to think of uh, spring training, February 11th, when the uh, pitchers and catchers report. And uh, baseball, you know, is uh, getting on the forefront of everybody's mind. And I already scouring Kroger's or wherever our local uh, establishment is for those preview magazines right about now, Pat. Yeah, whenever, whenever I find them over at Kroger's. Sometimes they pop up at Kroger's before they pop up anywhere else. And uh, they're the unique, like, print product that I still get. It's still, it's still worthwhile. And there are, t- there, are, there, are, there are, this time of the year, I wait with, you know, a bated breath for the baseball prospectus to come out. And uh, also for uh, the Baseball America Top 30 you know, yep. book to come out. So those are uh, those are favorites of mine. I already got my Bill James book and poured over that quite a bit. And uh, we got the Hall of Fame today uh, where Derek Jeter was uh, elected. No surprise there. I guess the one surprise, there was one vote uh, that kept him from being a unanimous pick. Has that person been identified yet? Yeah, I don't know, you know, because uh, <laughs> this is how it works, you know, just in, if you're wondering, uh, the, when you vote for this, um they, they say, do you want your vote revealed? I always check yes on mine because I write about it anyway. Right. I always write a column about it and who I voted for and why. Um, so Derek Jeter, one person didn't. I don't know whether they'll be revealed or not. And then the other uh, one Can you was... you imagine alert. that person not being revealed? <laughs> no, I think well, at some no, point. At, at some, some point, point it'll come out. Yeah. You know, and uh, also Larry Walker was put in, who I voted for. Thought was very deserving. Uh, I know in Canada they're celebrating. He's a Canadian, uh, you know, and uh, that's great. Uh, former Montreal expo, of course, uh, you know, made his real hay with the uh, Colorado Rockies. So. Did you vote for uh, Bonds and Clemens? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, because Did you just get to the point where it's like, you know what, I'm not going to be judge and jury on every single guy. And I, I know that you have followed the game enough that you have a feel for some guys, but it just seems like at some point you're like, Vote them in on their merits, and then we'll let history be the judge or put it in context if you if you really need to put it in context in terms of, of their PED use or well, suspected PED use. For a while, I was part of the, uh, you know. Don't let them in. Steroids police. I said I would never vote for them and all that. And then I discovered that uh, and if this is a slippery slope. Uh, yeah, I can't reveal sources. I can't reveal anything. Hell, I'll get sued. Um, but I know, I don't think, I know there are uh, PD users in the Hall of Fame. Right. So, if you know, in you know, the whole thing where George, 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 uh, Joe Morgan send out that thing, you know, saying if they're in the Mitchell Report, or whatever, there's a lot of folks that aren't in there that, that did it, who everybody knows did it, 
who are involved in the game, who are in the Hall of Fame now. So you can't keep those guys out. So I just decided, I even voted for Manny Ramirez, yeah. even though he was suspended. Right. So uh, that's how I do it, based on merit. Of those who did not get in, and for those just tuning in, Jeter and Walker, Jeter unanimous except one. Walker just cleared the 75% threshold. Right. Bonds and Clemens around 60%. Kurt they got two years left. Schilling's at 70. But he's kind of stuck there, it seems like. He well, should be in. He should be. And should again, be in. it gets to. He didn't really budge this year, did he? A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. You know, he's. But Kurt Schilling is one of the top 50 or 60 players ever. And when you got the greatest postseason pitcher I've ever seen, I think it's Kurt Schilling. You know, I'd never. I knew he was a really good postseason pitcher, but to hear some of the numbers today as you watch coverage leading up to this, I mean. 19 starts, 16 times, allowed two runs or fewer. 16 of 19 postseason starts, he allowed two runs or fewer? Yeah, it wasn't just a bloody sock. <laughs> and uh, and then you that have... That counts. You know, Roger Clemens was the best pitcher I ever saw. I ever saw. Uh, and Barry Bonds was the best hitter I've ever seen. I can make a case for Miggy or Albert Pujols and some others, but Barry Bonds was just unbelievable. So... To me, you know, just keeping them out, it doesn't make a lot of sense when you know that there are some that are in the Hall of Fame that did it. All right, so beyond those two, who would you like to see get in? Uh, Schilling without, oh, Schilling without yeah, question. Beyond, beyond those three, I should say. Uh, Schilling, Scott Bonds, Rowland, Clemens. I think, has an underrated candidacy. Uh, he was way better than what people think. Um, Jeff Kent, you know. Uh, Most home runs ever for a second baseman. Yeah, you know, and when you see, you know, uh, Bizio got in and Kent didn't get in. Bizio was only slightly better metrically. And, uh, you know, if you look at Kent's body of work, it was tremendous. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's just a, I don't know. It's just. What do you stand on Omar Vizquel? I, I wanted to vote for him, but didn't. Uh, because I, I, only, I can only case. put 10, name, 10 names right. down. I think he's an intriguing case because I think many feel he's one of the top Easily top five, would you say, defensive shortstops of all time? Not metrically. He's not. That's one of the issues okay. with him. Metrically, he's not. And yet, was the Baseball Info Solutions system in place at the beginning of his career? No, it wasn't. The metrics are sketchier. Right. But you know what? If you go back and you really look at when, it, when the top defensive player. play. I, the eyeball test a real question. <laughs> and with uh, Derek Jeter, for example, one of the things with Derek Jeter, who actually had a career war less than Lou Whitaker, is that Derek Jeter, to me, was a better shortstop watching him play than what the metrics suggested. Right. I mean, I, I didn't think and he Vizquel, was a bad shortstop. I think, short... falls into that category. Yeah, he was a great – he was a plus defender, which Jeter was a minus defender, uh, metrically. Metrically. Yeah. But don't you think – Vizquel belongs among the top to ever play the position defensively. I thought so. Just I, I, Watching I did, him play. I did not. There was nobody like him. I did not like watching Omar Vizquel play shortstop. I loved it. Right. Okay. Right. I thought he was, I you know, a entertaining. Strong case that he's one of the best defensive shortstops to play the game. But it's. With if 2,800 he, hits. He had a lot and, of hits and he played for a long played time. played for a long time. I don't know. It just seems like. I guess my point is, if you're considered one of the top five defensive shortstops of all time, do you belong in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. He was an average hitter. I mean, he wasn't a great hitter. But if you're one of the best defensive shortstops of all time, isn't that what that position's all about? Well, you know, I... He's at 55%, by the way. Yeah. You know, Omar Vizquel, again, if he gets close, I'll vote for him. 
You know, I'm not going to be the one guy that keeps somebody out. I always remember the story of Nellie Fox. You know who Nellie Fox is, yeah. right? Second baseman. Yeah. He played for the White Sox a long time ago. And uh, he didn't get into the Hall of Fame by, like, one vote. And then, you know what, it's like, well, maybe a Veterans Committee will put him in. In the interim, he died. He died young. And he didn't get a chance to see himself inducted into the Hall of Fame, which I believe he eventually was. So when you sit there and you look at that, you know, you got to be careful with it. You know, I hear, like, uh, and I look, I respect everybody's opinion on it, but you hear people say, well, it's not the Hall of Very Good. You know, like with Morris. You know, it's like, okay, you want to make a case for Morris? His, his war wasn't good, but neither was Catfish Hunters. Tell how Catfish Hunter was a Hall of Famer. Pitching metrics are odd, and anybody who dismisses that doesn't, you know, they're not living in a real world. So, you know, to me, Morris belonged in. And then when he got close, the numbers geeks, okay, who I was, you know, at odds with about this, they were constantly trolling me on whatever, they decided to make a case to keep the man out of the Hall of Fame. Right. You know, I don't, I don't think that that's a good thing to do. I think, you know, I'm for if somebody's close, voting for him. Not, you know, it's the Hall of uh, Great, not very good, you know, or some of the <laughs> things that I hear that just want to make me, uh, you know, pull my hair out. The, uh, by the way, going back to the metrics on Omar Vizquel, defensive run saved a system that I referred to a lot on this program and during the season started when he was 36 years old. That system came into being when he was 36 years old. He'd already won nine gold gloves. Right. He won two more, by the way. But in other words, the metrics don't really capture him at his peak in his 20s. Well, to give you an idea. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, when I first started uh – covering they started keeping the statistician up there and he was making quadrants of the field you know where the balls were placed and then before it was done strictly by uh, statistical evidence for the old old timers so defensive metrics you can come up with different you know this is where I go to I have you know I butt heads sometimes believe it or not with actually the analytics people well, not, not the baseball analytics people as much as the numbers nerds because to them it's like so definitive one of the things it does is Compare ear to ear, a better name. No, right. no, no. There's some flaws in it. Don't, don't. Well, yeah. You know, it's you know. it's a useful tool to yeah, try absolutely. to compare. Better tool than era, era to era than fielding percentage and sure. some of the things. Yes, sure. absolutely. But it's not the be all end all of no. what what is. And I, the other thing that I put a lot of emphasis on, I don't know if all voters do, is postseason. That's why with Morris, and I know his overall numbers because he, he skyrocketed a little bit at the end of his career. Right. But he threw, threw two complete games for the Tigers in the World Series, and he threw a 10-inning, one nothing shutout to beat another Hall of Famer <laughs> in Game 7. I'm sorry that matters to me. <laughs> that, gets you in, that gets you in alone. You know, I mean, come on. The, uh, I, I like to use Derek Jeter this occasion. Every year I like to bring up this book because I think it is – it's in, in this era of analytics, and you and I both enjoy that because I think it, it starts discussions. It's, right. it's interesting. It's a way of further evaluating people. But the book Intangible to me is one of my favorite books of the last, I don't know, maybe ever, uh, written by Lonnie Wheeler. He's a very good writer. Yeah, very good. And in this book, his whole point is, I mean, and he goes back to Branch Rickey, who was really one of the great first sabermetricians, if you will. He came up with a very complicated formula back in the day well, for invented, evaluating players. But what did he always believe in? the minor in? leagues, too. He believed in the intangibles as a big part yeah. of the formula of putting together a team That's right. and evaluating a player. That passion was a big part of it. So in this book, I think Lonnie Wheeler does a great job of just reminding us that who you are and the intangibles that you bring, you can't discount them. 
And you can try to measure them by the impact that that player has on the players around him. Does he make his team better? But and he has a whole chapter on what's called jeetership instead of leadership. It's worth a read. It's wonderful. And it just, again, I think it's always good to remember, beyond the numbers, there's a lot of interaction going on in every clubhouse every day. And the good players, and you can identify them through the years. Remember, Eric Hinsky always kept showing up on playoff teams. He wasn't a great Hall of Fame player, but he just kind of kept showing up as a guy who was a big part of winning teams. It, it's a big part of what makes a guy a winner or whatever word you want to use. But uh, anyway, I, I think that that's Lonnie, Lonnie Wheeler and Tangible. But Derek Jeter, the whole chapter on Jetership and what he comes up with is a definition for how a guy contributes to a team. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Uh, coming up seven forty five, Casey Mize will join us. Uh, number one draft pick overall, two thousand eighteen MLB draft and Tigers, according to many folks, uh, top prospect. He'll join us at seven forty five. It's Caputo, Dan Dickerson, Tiger Talk ninety seven won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. We got open lines. You want to talk some baseball? You know, people say to me, Dan, all the time, hey, you guys don't talk enough baseball, Pat. We love when you talk baseball. Well, I'm on with the radio play-by-play voice. Of uh, the Tigers, Double D, Dan Dickerson. And, uh, you know, uh, nobody knows him like Dan. And I'm here, and uh, I love to talk baseball. So give us a call. Got ticket text 97136. And uh, coming up, 745, uh, Casey Mize uh, will join us. So, So a lot of talk about the Tigers' prospects. We talk about them every week. And, you know, then we got the the big caravan this week. Um Al Avila, Gardy, they're all in town. Well, Al's always in town. And they're going to, uh, you know, really uh, get out there. And uh, what are they going to sell with the Tigers? Now, personally, I think the Tigers are going to be better this year. I like the Crone signings. I like uh, what they've done uh, with Scope. I love what they've done uh, with their, uh, you know, obviously Romine will be a good addition at catcher. Uh, Nova will help their pitching staff. These are all guys who, you know, we talked about metrics, had good metrics, reasonably good uh, value contracts. And they're at an age uh, where they're kind of in the prime of their prime, most of them, uh, that 28 to 30 uh, category. And uh, they might have some value to trade at deadline. With the prospects on their way, that rotation at Erie, for the five in that rotation in the top five by baseball perspectives, ranking the Tigers top ten, I think Alex Faeda was seventh. So that's five of the top seven. I mean, th- this would, to me, is, I mean, it's worth talking about. With Casey Mize coming up in, in just a little bit, it's worth talking about what the Tigers have, how close they are, because this is, is probably as exciting a time in terms of top prospects coming up from a farm system that now by MLB Pipeline is ranked sixth. Others, I would say the consensus, somewhere in that eight to 12 range, wouldn't you, nationally? Right. Six is the highest I've seen. But that does give you a sense of how far they've come and how exciting a time this is because we're not talking about a, a, that top 10 being loaded with guys who are down at A-ball. Riley Green is, but almost everybody else is at double-A yeah, or yeah. above. So I want to get your thoughts before we talk Isaac pitching. Isaac Paredes. I want to Paredes. ask you, that's exactly what I wanted to ask you about because 
it's not just going to be about the continued development of those pitchers. I mean, we all feel very optimistic. You know, odds are some are going to flame out. That happens. I mean, that's what baseball history tells you. It'd be great if they all made it. But for this rebuild to really hit stride, they need some of those position player prospects. And I'm not discounting the guys who have already made their major league debuts, like Jake Rogers, like Kristen Stewart, who had promise coming up, who did not have at the major league level, particularly good years last year. Um, but I want to start with Isaac Paredes because most people feel like, in terms of a guy closest to the major leagues, that's the best bat. What are your thoughts on Isaac Paredes and where he ends up this year? Well, first of all, uh, we haven't had as much controversy about a guy's name uh, since Al Avila and Al Avila was, a, you know, is it Isaac <laughs> or is it to, Isaac? Well, it was Isaac, and then it was Isaac, Isaac Paredes. Isaac, now, now, now it's Isaac. Isaac. So you it's know, Isaac again. I hope the guy makes the major league soon, so we can ask. Hey, what's how do you pronounce your name? But um, no, he look. He last year he kind of struggled early in the year. Uh, he had there were a lot of expectations of him, even though he's very young, twenty twenty one years old. And uh, he, what he did was he grinded through it, you know. And he started to hit the ball with authority. He didn't have a lot of lift on it. Then oh, you look up at the end of the year, his numbers were pretty good. I like that. You know, that's something that uh, is good. And the bat comes off. I would be exit his exit velocity. I would assume is pretty good. You know, and he's young and he's strong. Hit 280 with modest power numbers. Yeah, but, the, but the he power, was 20 at double A. And those power numbers were nil for a long time. They came on at the end of the year. And uh, he uh, he did start to sting the ball. I, you know, the other thing, too, is he came up as a shortstop. He's going to, obviously, I think he's going to outgrow the position. But I think he's going to be a real good third baseman or even if they played him at second. He He's a good infielder. Can he force his way onto the major league roster this year, or well, is that a stretch? I don't think it's a stretch. Okay. No, I, no, I don't. It depends. Okay. It depends on whether they want to play the uh, let, well. Let's keep him down there and not right. start his clock or whatever. Right. You know, no, Which could happen. But they, there's really no history of that in this organization. Eh, a little bit, you know, a little bit. Um, but I, I would say with uh, with uh, Paredes, it wouldn't surprise me because real good players start to hit about twenty. 21, 22, yeah. you know, the guys that are top guys. The other one is I want to see what Daz Cameron does. I really want to see him. This is a big year for him. A lot I of mean, tools. Last understatement, but it is. We saw too much good in right. spring training last year to think that this guy couldn't be a major leaguer on a level maybe where his dad was. His dad was a really good major league player. You know, he's got a similar skill set, although obviously not as refined or he doesn't right. have the hit tool like his dad did. Just obviously. turned 23. Yeah. I think it's uh, be interesting. Gene Roof made a good point toward the end of last year. We were, he was up at Comerica Park. He'd been working with Riley Green. And he said, you look at this ballpark. He said, my belief is you need three center fielders to play this outfield. Right. To be a championship team. I thought that was a good point. That In other words, that's what KC did when they won a World Series. They had three guys who could go line to line, and there just weren't many balls falling in. Gordon won a gold glove last year. Daz Cameron is a very good defender. Derek Hill is a premium elite, perhaps, level defender. He's good. Parker good Meadows is a good defender. Well, now, Parker, these guys Parker are, Meadows, these guys are lower. Parker Meadows, I, I've got to tell you this, okay? Parker Meadows is a raw you know, he's got long legs, gangly legs out there. It's like the he, the, he the cult has been born fly. or something, you know. So I don't know. I saw a lot of, and I would be interested to know what their Doppler, you know, the stat cast that they have mm -hmm. on that said about him. But what happened late last year, 
is that Riley Green, they said, okay, Riley Green's a better center fielder, and they made him the center fielder and put Parker Meadows in right. And they would rotate a little bit, but, yeah, Riley Green Riley, got the ball Riley, the Riley Green, you know, all the stuff about the draft, I had concerns about it. You know, and, you know, Riley Green is pretty good defensively, it looks like. And he looks like, at this point, he's a better defender than Parker Meadows. Riley Green is is a, is a ball player. All right, now I know he struggled when they pushed him up the A ball a little bit and everything, but that, that guy could move fast. He looks pretty good. You know, so if, if he's up in double A next year, you know, this year he pushes his way there, that wouldn't surprise me right. at all. Um, all of a sudden you've got something, you know, where. But you really need somebody to click this year, like a Daz Cameron, like, and I think Austin Isaac Meadows. Paredes, all eyes are on Paredes. Austin Meadows. Is, Austin Meadows has to, he didn't he struggled last year, yeah. but everybody believes his upside is still very high. Is it Parker Meadows? Yeah, Parker, Parker Meadows. Meadows. We get mixed up there. <laughs> Whoa. Younger brother of. Younger brother of. We, they hope it's, it's fun Austin to talk Rowe. about all the pitching because, I mean, truly, any of those five guys, Castro makes six from double A, could make it to the major leagues this year. That was a good, eerie team. And, you know, part of the reason they kept them together last year, uh, I remember Al telling me this, was they wanted to keep them together to make they, – they didn't get there, but to make a run at it. You know, so that they would build a bond. And they were there and they, the last day. Yeah, that they in the would playoff hunt. That would come up together. You know, so they weren't that interested in just pushing them to Toledo for the sake of pushing them to Toledo. They wanted to develop a team chemistry with a young core that was at that a level, and it wasn't just you know the pitchers. They had like you were talking about winning attitude type of guys. Mm-hmm. They had a few guys on that team that had that, you know, as well. So. Uh, you could see that building a little bit uh, with Erie, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, players a lot older, a lot more savvy at AAA, and how, you know, that all develops yeah. there. You know, but that pitching staff, you know, to start and the year is going to have a lot of uh, power arms in there. You know, those are all those guys have power, with the exception of Fajardo. I don't, I wouldn't classify him as a power arm. You know, but, you know, I put Bo Burrows as a power arm. So there's five guys there that, you know, they're throwing 95-plus, you know, uh, you know, stretching it out as starters. You know, that, that's going to be something to see. Wentz, Wentz is underrated, I'm telling you. You know, that was a good deal. It really was. I, you know, he, he was, he's was he been young at the levels that he's played at and held his own. And, uh, you know, he looks like he's got the makings of three pitches if he can tighten it up a little bit. And you made they, a good – they could have good pitching. You made a good point about AAA. The the jump this year, not only to AAA for probably all those guys at some point to be a surprise. If it wasn't, right? Maybe not all to start, but within a few weeks, you would think. I think so. Right? So, but when they used the Major League ball last year, offense jumped by 20% in both the American Association and the Pacific Coast League. Right. It did not change a AA. No, it So didn't. it's going to be a much higher offensive right. environment. Wherever you play at AAA this year, that's a challenge. And it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. It should help Paredes. But we'd love to hear what you think. 248-539-9797. We got the caravan this week. Going out on Thursday. Dan and I will be down uh, at Music Town inside the Hockey Town Cafe on Saturday. Ten to noon, Come talking on, to down and what wave at us, right? Oh yeah, so you you, you know you know Al Vila Gardy, they'll all talk. We give them their usual grilling on that Saturday. They always love it, especially Gardy. 
But anyway, uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's Tiger Talk 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Uh, Casey Morris, Tigers uh, prospect, number one pick in the two thousand eighteen MLB draft, will join us at seven forty five. So then we'll take your calls. John, you're on ninety seven one. The ticket. What's up? Hey, John. Oh, John. Hey, Pat. Hey, uh, Dan. How you Hi, guys John. doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to get my opinion about the uh, draft, their number one draft pick in the spring. And uh, uh, I'm reading a lot of the mock drafts, and I've seen them linked to Spencer Torkelson, Austin Martin. And I think they're going to go with Austin Martin just because he's probably a little bit of a better pure hitter. And I think the organization lacks that right now, especially in the minors. Well, Torkelson is, uh, you know, pretty good too, you know. So it's going to be, you know, a situation where, you know, they're going to have to make a decision, you know, what they exactly want to do. But I I do think it's going to be, in my opinion, uh, it's going to be probably a position player, you know, because I think there's enough top-end players in this draft uh, that it that from position players that it'll out uh, outshoot, uh, you know, uh, you know the pitchers. And by the way, you're talking about Austin Martin. You know, he's a hitter uh, from uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, right. It's a lot of a uh, lot of attention. Uh, Torkelson's from Arizona State, um, and he's kind of like when somebody talks about the baseball draft and. Uh, they usually talk about him as the first guy that the Tigers would take. He's a first baseman type. So, um, you know, I, I really liked Pete Crow Armstrong, but he's dropped down the list, a high school kid from Southern California. So I don't know what that's all about. But the uh, top pitching prospect uh, is from the University of Georgia, and you see his name uh, mentioned a lot. His name's Emerson Hancock. So right, those will be yeah. the those will be the names uh, that you'll hear a lot as the uh, – draft approaches and it becomes it becomes tough doesn't it pat for a team like the tigers if a pitcher becomes it looks like the clear number one or at least in your evaluation it's getting very close between say a top-notch pitcher like hancock and spencer torkelson because you have to take the guy that you think is the best player well i think even though the need is not pitching right now you have to take the guy you think is the is the best to at least oh, yeah, give yourself the best chance of, of hitting on that number one. And they'll, and they'll do that. They'll take right. who they think is best. But, um, you but know. You the, think there are enough position players that it shouldn't. I think, the, I think this is a draft with a lot of position players yeah. in it that uh, are high Seems like guys. It. You got two college kids that are big-time hitters. Um, they're going to go in the draft early, and they're going to be players that you can use right away. And uh, – should make it within a couple years. Yeah, I yeah. mean they're they're big time hitters. You know Vaughn from California, he's going to make it. Bart, they're going to make it. These guys, Mandergol is going to be for the White Sox this year. The kid from the little second baseman, they're all you know on the cusp of being in there. And just remember how much the market changed from the end of the last time they picked the overall number one, Casey Mize. That market changed quite a bit between the time the season ended and the time the draft came around in June. And there will be some, you would think, similar changes between now and June when the draft is held. I think where it gets dicey is if you got a top, 
high school kid, a top high school position player. That would be tough because you you want somebody who can make an impact within a couple years. And the Tigers took Green last year. You know, the Kliniak kid that was taken in the uh, uh, draft of Casey Mize was taken as, you know, skyrocketed in Seattle's organization. Uh, You're going to hear a lot about him. So, you know, but there was a lot of boom or bust with that. And college pitchers seem to be the safer pick. And uh, college hitters, more safe than it used to be because they got all these showcases. They use a lot of wood bats. They see them in Cape Cod League. So they feel more comfortable than, like, back in the day when they had the ping bats and they were just rocketing, you know, home run after home run. Then you'd put a wood bat in their hand and they couldn't hit. Now they spend a lot of time hitting with wood bats so teams get a better evaluation on them than back in the day. Mike, you're on 97-1, the ticket, Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Um, hi, I'm longtime listener. I was just curious, do you see a nucleus of a Tiger team taking shape that they could just add to to come up with a good team? I do. Yes, I do. A little bit more than, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, maybe uh, fans do. You, but the nucleus is going to be of pitching. That's the uh, – speck of light at the end of the tunnel. And what that does is it gives uh, flexibility to Alavila uh, to possibly, you know, uh, flip some of that pitching uh, into position players. Um, you know, so I do see uh, a nucleus. And, and I, I would look, I would I would say this to you. Uh, look at the Erie team. You know, there'll be a couple guys on that team that, you know, you're not thinking much of that might make it. Um, and they did develop some chemistry together. But if you get a top-end rotation or like we talked about last week, Mike, where you have, you know, six, seven, eight, nine pitchers and you use the pitchers the way Tampa used them last year, you can. there's a lot of ways these days, you know, to win baseball games that people haven't thought of that maybe aren't outside the box as they used to be. And the Tigers could use that as kind of the uh, springboard for, for what they're doing. It's – it's no small development, and I'm not trying to overstate it. I'm not trying to, you know, stroke them or say, hey, you guys but, are great or whatever, but, but let's face they it. have more top-end right. pitching prospects than I can ever remember, and I've been covering that minor That's league what, system right. for a long time, and it's by far. But if you're talking about guys. it uh, in terms of position players, Mike, I would say that is the big question mark right now. There's certainly yeah, the that possibility. My, that's that's my concern. Yeah. I don't see anything developing I understand that they have a wealth of pitching now compared to like over the last 10 years, but the, the position players, where you're looking at your, your defensive side of the ball, I'm not seeing a lot of that developing. Yeah, they need a couple of the guys that they've had up in the major leagues a little bit. The two most prominent to me are Castro, the shortstop, not Harold Candel- Castro. Candelario. And, and uh, Candelario is getting a last shot. This is mean? it. You know, and uh, you've got uh, – uh, Jake Rogers, you know, think, that yeah, was profoundly disappointing. Rod- right. Yeah. His first exposure wasn't good, but let's not forget he was considered the top catching prospect in all the minor leagues. Right. He's going good. into 2019. He's a good, uh, you know, he's got some power, but he's got to learn how to hit. You know, yeah. you can't have a, a 481 uh, OPS in the major leagues. You know? Usually you want a little higher than that. Yeah, a little bit. And that 125 batting average. You know, but the one thing about Jake Rogers, I would say this, that if you look at this track, he seems to struggle at each level that he goes up. Makes an adjustment. Makes an adjustment and comes back. So he's got quite an adjustment to make based on, you know, it seems like there were a lot of holes in his swing. But he does have some power, and he can catch and throw. You know, that's tremendous value in that. So he's just he's got to hit enough. But he could be a, a piece for you. 
you know, if you've got other hitters around him. And like I said, if you if you got a lot of depth in one spot, it allows you to trade for other spots. So, and they do have quite a bit of, uh, you know, arms that are coming up and some very high end. Mize Manning Scuba, real quick. I know we got to get to a break. Mize Manning Scuba, who makes it to the major leagues first? Uh, Given good health. I mean, we're just going to go with that. I'll go with Matt Manning. All right. You know, I think Matt Manning, you know, will, but Mize very well could. Um, Scuba, I don't, I don't, I saw like a flash. I've right. seen more consistency over two years. Uh, with uh, Mize and uh, Manny. Uh, coming up next, speaking of Casey Mize, he's coming up next here on Tiger Talk on 97.1 The Ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1 The Ticket. Well, joining us now here on Tiger Talk and 97.1 The Ticket, Pat Caputo and Double D, Dan Dickerson, the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Tigers. It's the 2018 first overall pick in the MLB draft. And uh, according to many sources, the Tigers' top pitching prospect, one of the best in all of baseball, that's Casey Mize, the right-hander. How are you, Casey? I'm doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, you know what? Last year, uh, you know, hot start, you know, doing a, a great job, moving up quickly through the ranks. And, uh, you know, at the end, a little bit of an injury issue. Uh, what's the off season been like for you, and uh, what have you been working on uh, to kind of push through and uh, reach the major leagues? Yeah, it's been a great off season. Been putting in some great work. Uh, been taking care of my body, my nutrition, and uh, working on some lower half mechanics. And I, I think that's going to, um, you know, be, be a big benefit to me this year. And um, like I said, been working very hard, just like a lot of guys that I know. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the season. You talk about lower body mechanics. Just talk about some of the things you're working on. Is it, did it kind of grow out of that frustration that you weren't there at the end? I know you were frustrated by you weren't there at the end for, for your double-A teammates at, at Erie. Uh, and just some of the things that kind of came up toward the end that you think, okay, I had to change this to make sure that I stay healthy? Uh, yeah. I mean, it definitely wasn't my choice to not be there for my teammates. I definitely would have liked to be, liked to have been, but – and I'm uh, gonna, yeah. to be clear, you were shut down, just so everybody knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wasn't a choice. Um, but, yeah, you're right. It's uh, It was frustrating, like you said. And so I I, uh, I figured some changes needed to be made. And, uh, like I said, I'm doing everything I can to improve that. And, you know, hopefully uh, it'll lead to a good good season this year. You know, one of the things is that uh, it seemed like you guys at Erie, you know, there were a lot of top uh, pitching prospects. Yourself, Matt Manning, uh, Wentz, who was acquired in a trade, Fajardo. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, and then Scooble came in and, you know, was blown away uh, hitters <laughs> like uh, nobody could believe. It was like, who's yeah. this guy? <laughs> um, you know, and he had some position players, and, and you guys started to win some games. You know, it seemed like you were developing a pretty good chemistry. Uh, do you kind of like the idea that you guys are moving up together, the the roster that you had there at uh, Erie? Yeah, we had a great team. Uh, we had a lot of fun, and uh, I think that's because we won a lot of games, like you mentioned. I mean, winning's fun is the goal, and I think uh, – you know, the more we can do that together and, and realize, you know, that that's the ultimate goal is to win ball games and just to experience that together and, and know what that's supposed to look like. I think that can only be positive for the future. So um, I'm not sure where we'll be assigned this year, but if, if we're together, if we're not, you know, I'm looking forward to winning either way. You and Matt Manning, it seemed like developed a really good relationship. Just describe that relationship for Tigers fans and how much you guys push each other. Oh, yeah. I think the whole group pushes, pushes each other. And, you know, Matt is a tremendous athlete. He's super talented. 
Uh, Alex is a great, great teammate. You know, Tarek works hard. Joey was a great new addition. You know, it's just the whole group we have is awesome. And we, we kind of learn from each other and feed off of each other. And just watching those guys go out and, and succeed is, is great, great to watch and great to be a part of. That outfield wasn't bad either, was it? It was not. <laughs> they, they made some great plays for me. You know, they, they were very quick out there and, you know, very defensive minded. And uh, I know they saved our butts quite a few times. Gibson, Hill, and uh, Azikar most days in that outfield covered a lot of ground. Yeah, was yeah they sure did. And I remember you know, Hill and, and Zoe made, you know, two really nice plays during my no-hitter, my debut, and, you know, Gibby plays really hard. So, you know, all three of those guys out there were awesome. Yeah, it was a very good defensive team. Uh, you know, it was just a good, solid team in a lot of ways. Uh, talk about uh, Isaac Paredes uh, as a hitter. Uh, what makes him so good? Man, he, he just – sees the ball really well. He doesn't strike out a ton. Uh, you know, he, he just finds a way to put uh, the barrel on the ball. And, uh, you know, I think he's very patient. You know, he's not a free swinger for the most part. I think he knows what he's looking for. And he's got a really good approach. And uh, I know I talked to, you know, some opposing pitchers you know, during BP and things, and, and they were all very impressed with Freddie's. I, I am too. You know, it's been, he's been a pleasure to watch, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing him progress. The development of pitches is always interesting to me, Casey, and, Pitchers are obviously always, whatever stage of their career they are, trying to refine their offerings and, and make each pitch better. Where are you with, I mean, are there particular pitches you want to work on? We certainly heard a lot about your splitter when you came up. I know you've been working on your slider, which can be a wipeout. Just describe some of the things you want in terms of the pitches that you throw, the pitches that you really would like to make a better pitch this year. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, the, the slider or slurve or curve, whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm not really sure what it is yet. I'm, I'm going to call it a curve, <laughs> I guess. But, uh, that's something I've been kind of working on. Uh, I've been tr- trying to get that pitch more efficient and, you know, spinning that a little bit better. So um, that's something that I've, you know, used, utilized some technology and um, looking at. We're still in the pretty early stages of that, but I've got a couple bullpens under my belt so far. So th- that's probably been the biggest thing. And then just, you know, uh, you know, get, getting the wrinkles out of the splitter, the cutter, you know, the fastballs. It, it's all a part of the process that, you know, most pitchers go through, you know, when, when it's this time of year. So, and this is honestly the fun part when it comes to pitch development and design um, and, and d- deciding what you need to change or trying to make more consistent. And it's, it's all a part of the process. And, and honestly, it's a lot of fun. You know, being the first overall pick in the draft, I mean, every introduction, Casey Mize is the first overall pick in the MLB draft. <laughs> You know, it comes with that type of cachet. I mean, that's a wonderful title to have, yet there's some pressure that comes with it. It's like, well, where is he now? Uh, can you talk about the, the uniqueness of being the first overall pick in the draft and, and the good and the bad that comes with it? Yeah, it's great because, it, I mean, it's obviously, you know, a great honor for myself and my family and everybody who, who made, helped make that happen. Um, and, and it's a great title to have. And, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy it. And you know, I think uh, a, a lot comes with that. Like you mentioned, you know, a lot of pressures and uh, things like that, but I think it's all good, man. I mean, if you have pressure on you, that means you put yourself in a good position. And, um, you know, I, luckily, you know, I was able to do that and, you know, people are just going to hold me accountable. And, you know, I, I, I know that's always going to be there and i trust me, I'll hold myself way more accountable than anybody <laughs> else will on a, on a day-to-day basis. And, um, you know, it's all part of it, man. I've, I've learned to kind of um, embrace that. So it, it, it's been all good for me. Uh, talk about the, uh, you know, you mentioned the splitter. It, it, it was a pitch, I think, that when you threw it so well. I mean, you throw the, uh, it's kind of an old school splitter where it kind of drops off the table and bends down like 
I don't know, like the uh, like Jack Morris used to throw. You know, was gotten in the Hall of Fame for the Tigers. But it's also a pitch that uh, it kind of gone away for a while. When did you start throwing the splitter? And uh, have you been encouraged to throw it more and more? Because one of the reasons that people say don't throw the splitter, uh, they've always mentioned the injury factor. Um, how do you balance that? And how what percentage of splitters are you going to throw? Yeah, so I picked it up in high school. Uh, I think um, I didn't start throwing a breaking ball until about my junior, sophomore, junior year of high school. And, and when I started learning that, you know, just like most players, I got pretty addicted to throwing it. And so I, <laughs> I lost feel for a changeup because I had only thrown a changeup uh, throughout my youth in fastball. Um, and so then I realized, okay, I've focused so much on this breaking ball. I need to figure out um, a changeup to use. And so I was just playing catch with my, with my dad out in the yard or the driveway, wherever. And, you know, circle change wasn't working, you know, three finger chain, whatever you, yeah. whatever you want to call it, it really wasn't working. And so uh, dad said, Hey, grip it like this. And I did, and I threw it and it, I don't know, it worked out that day. And so I threw it like that for a year or so. And then I got to college and coach Butch Thompson, who was um, our head coach down there. Uh, he, he changed my grip on it a little bit. He, he knew a guy that pitched at Auburn um, that, that threw a splitter and, and held it this certain way. And, it's honestly still the way I'm throwing it. And, um, you know, the injury factor, uh, I'm not really sure of the data that comes with that. Um, I'm, I'm just pretty sure of, you know, it's a, it's a good pitch for me and it works. And, um, you know, it's gotten me this far. And uh, like you said, it, everybody, when they think of, you know, kind of me, they associate that with the splitter. And there's well, a reason for that. Yeah, it's the, 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 for me and, and it's, it's not something I'm going to stray away from. I'm, I'm not sure on the percentages. Uh, I, I don't throw it as, as – probably as much as I did in college. I threw it a little bit less this year just because I think the cutter was such a good pitch. But right. I'm, I'm definitely not going to shy away from it because I think it's, uh, you know, my bread and butter. It's allowed me to get this far. Well, you know, there's a, an aspect to it when you set it up real well, throwing the ball to the different quadrants, and then you throw your breaking ball, and then you drop that splitter in there. It's you can hear, You can almost, you know, I'm watching the game on my iPad on MILB.com, <laughs> and you can almost hear the hitter you know, go, ooh, you know, <laughs> like he does, you know, I mean, when you throw it, it's a thing of beauty. Um, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful, and the data on it, you know, I'm sure you probably know that it's all over the place. Jack Morris, who I mentioned earlier, Roger Clements, these guys pitched forever doing it. And then there were other guys where, you know, there were some injuries with it. So the data is all over the place on that one. Fun to watch yeah. a guy with a good one, though. I'll tell oh, you that. yeah, that, it's a good one. He throws a good splitter, man. It makes everybody open their eyes, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. It, it's fun, man. Like, And I, I've been fortunate to be able to be around, um, you know, Roger Clemens a little bit, and I've spoke, spoken with Jack Morris a bit. And, um, you know, Jack told me, gave me some good advice. Just you have to do a lot of arm care. you got to take care of your arm um, a little bit more than most guys. And so I've definitely done that. You know, I think I've, you know, done that most of my career, but, just hearing that and knowing how long he pitched, you know, throwing that pitch. Um, and so he just told me to take care of my arm and my body as much as I can because it's obviously very important. All right, Casey, great talking with you. We appreciate your time. We're looking forward to, to seeing you on the caravan and then uh, over the weekend. Yeah, we we'll see some major league hitters going, oh, man, when they see that uh, splitter come in there, his way he set it up. Yeah, I, hope so. anyway. I hope so. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, Thanks, appreciate Casey. it, Casey Mize. First overall pick. 2018 MLB draft. That's terrific. And uh, he's going to, you know, be in the major leagues, I think, uh, pretty soon with Matt Manning and some of those other guys. There's some potential there. Coming up next will be Pistons tonight uh, with uh, Chris Falar. And uh, I'll be doing Inside Hockey Town starting at 9.
with Kenny Cal. Dan, I always enjoy next week. I'll see you on Saturday. Oh, Saturday, that's Saturday, right. special edition, <laughs> ten to noon of uh, Tiger Talk uh, down at the uh, Music Town inside the Hockey Town Cafe. Ninety-seven won the ticket.